check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artist. Audio inside. Loading artist. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest is New Bedford, Massachusetts-based artist Dina Hayden. In our conversation, we dig into Dina's inspiration for her work, her painting roots, decision to return to sculpture, as well as her use of kombucha culture and how she might just be a colorist at heart, and more. And in some news, Dina's show opens at Esther Klein Gallery and the University City Science Center in Philadelphia, PA. That's at 3600 Market Street in West Philly. Reception on September 17th and runs through November. As the date draws closer, be sure to check out sciencecenter.org or kleinartgallery.org, or haydendina.com for more info. All right, without further ado, the interview with Dina Hayden. She starts things off by reading a Rumi quote. Listen in. All right, I will read a few. I'll read a Rumi one. All right, this is a Rumi quote. To fly toward a secret sky, to cause a hundred veils to fall each moment. First to let go of life, in the end to take a step without feet. Which I, I always love that for like a visual. Dina Hayden, welcome to Oddcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Actually, you know what I wanted to ask you? Um, how many quotes do you have to share? How many? Oh, quotes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I love quotes and, and like, poetry. Yeah. Um, I read a lot, and then I um, have, like, this, like, long document full of quotes in different uh, kind of, like, genres that I save okay. as I go along. And then I, I reread them a lot, and then I... On Instagram, I always use 
or mostly use a quote with different photos and kind of pull from those. So it's kind of like I'm horrible at memorizing things, but <laughs> I just assumed that you memorized them because you were just like, you know, <laughs> no, just no, not at all. Take I, them like, out of the I hat. Mean, I um, I feel like I remember like how like a good piece of art is like you remember how it makes you feel you know what I mean and so I know when I want to try to access that quote and I know who wrote it and what it the kind of like meaning of it but I could never just pull out the words (laughs) oh I see what you're saying so I mean you have this association between the piece of art and the and the quote itself and and the gist of what's going on and then you kind of put them together yeah yeah Yep, I don't. I have a horrible memory, like that. But. Do you do you happen to have that that little document next to you or whatever? Or? Um, sure. Well, it's actually on my iPad. Want me to okay. go get it? Uh, if it's not too much trouble, I'd love to start with a quote because I feel like, uh, just because you're into quotes and I like quotes in myself too. But um, well, yeah. Let me let me go grab it. I'll be okay. Right back. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yes, I. A lot of my quotes are usually like poets or a lot of um, different like nature writers and stuff like that. But I'm not. What kind of quotes are you into? I feel like I need more nature slash like on the spiritual side in my life. But yeah, um... I'm really I. I look to like poetry and stuff for more of a spiritual grounding I think yeah. um, and it helps me ground artwork in different ways that I can't really process with kind of like linear writing so right. Um, all right well I have a lot of them let's see maybe I'll just go with the first one I have here okay well here's one quote um Life never asks you to be more than you are. It celebrates your existence exactly where you are. And that's by Matt Kahn, who is a he's a spiritual teacher that I listen to a lot. Um, I could totally keep going. But <laughs> <laughs> How about we open with one and close with one? Yeah, that works. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Um... I have way too many, pretty much. Like, I could go on and then I'd like be, we'd be here for, like, the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do, a whole, like, a two-part or, like, one part, just all quotes, and then... <laughs> oh, wait, we should probably talk about your artwork, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, it's funny. But it's okay. good to save. Like, it, it's super helpful for me to, like, if something's meaningful like that, literally copy and paste it, and otherwise you forget, and then you go to try to find it again and you can't remember where it was and so yeah. it's, it's like a it's a pretty easy practice to do but yeah it's it's cool i like it and i tend to have like a pretty short attention span with reading so um mm-hmm. the quotes are definitely cool yeah i'm, yeah. I'm the same way this i do lately i've been doing a lot of audio books oh yeah um helped a lot get through certain books i've been trying to read for a long time (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah next up dina and i talk about the visual and sculptural side of her practice listen in what were some of your first art experiences and when do you feel like you got serious about it i 
really got into art when I was young, like four or five, like pretty much just started drawing all the time and building things. And so from there on, I was just like, I knew I, I, I always just loved drawing. And that was like how I communicated pretty much and would build stuff out in the woods. And I just was like always plugged in that way. And then when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to study art, so pretty young. And then I went to call undergrad for art. And yeah, so I just kind of, I took it serious, seriously, like since, since I was probably like a teenager, That's which I, I feel lucky for that. Like I don't, uh, I mean, in some ways it's not an easy path, but um, I just knew I loved it so much. So there's like not, not a question in my mind. I heard you say that you were you did some things in the woods when you were younger. Yeah, I was always I was the youngest in my family, and I have a really big family, so people kind of just I didn't even know where I was. I just trusted I would like come home, and I would be out in the woods and build stuff, and you know, with like berries and all this stuff in nature, and then. I don't know. I just like, I spent so much time outside and then I would also draw all the time too. Yeah. But it was just like my way. I was in such an imaginative places. Like I don't, I I think I just like love being in those kind of like spaces. But um, yeah, which is funny because I, it's my like nature and using uh, material from nature didn't really come back into my work until maybe like eight years ago and I it did feel like oh I used to do this when I was like five you know what I mean yeah 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 <laughs> which is funny because I used to I remember I used to like mash up all the berries and like make this certain dye and like make artwork and bring it home and everyone was like what are you doing like <laughs> cr- crazy kid and then <laughs> I remember being like, no one, I thought it was so cool. And I, I don't know. I just was like fascinated by that. You could go outside and like make colors and, and like different arrangements and stuff like that. But (laughs) I mean, my family is very creative, but no one in my immediate family is an artist. And yeah, I I just think they were always just like, that's cool, Dina. Like, (laughs) 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 Uh, you know, I was just always like the black sheep kind of, I feel like that, um, you know, everyone, I feel like artists can typically be that in their family. (laughs) It is interesting that you've almost come back to nature in a way and, you know, you've been doing that for a while. And I was, one of the things I was curious about is like when you were painting, was it, was it generally within the structure of school or did you do some outside of that or? Yeah, I painted outside of school a lot. Um, I did a lot of commission work after undergrad. Um, and then I did a whole body of work in between undergrad and graduate school, all painting. Okay. Um, yeah, it was like I up until grad school, I really was 100% painting and I didn't make any sculpture at all. Um, and then my first year into grad school, I painted 
Uh, and then I just totally transitioned and now I paint watercolors um, and I do different types of painting, but uh, not in the same way I used to paint. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was like a definite departure from painting, which felt kind of like a weird death in a way of like letting something go that you, I was tr like trained to do and thought that was going to be my path. Right. But Looking back, do you feel that painting was limiting you in a way? I did then, for sure. And I just, I was in my studio and I was painting, making this piece. And, and I just remember thinking, like, why am I, like, why am I painting this? And I was like, do I actually really want to make this painting? And it was like this weird self-realization that I don't, I did not know why I was painting anymore like and I it was just like almost out of habit yeah like I and I was like what am I doing and then and I started reading about things and then getting into like the material of paint and then um thinking about painting in terms of like surface and touch and all these kind of components so which then led me to breaking down painting literally and physically, I broke, I like started taking apart my paintings and making sculptures. And then I was like, oh, like that's how I got into sculpture. Cause I was like, I had to almost go through the whole process. And then I started making sculpture. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I just had a hard, I think when you identify, I like really identified as a painter. And I didn't know what I was going to do if I stopped painting. Right. <laughs> so it was really, I mean, we all go through those changes in our work, but it's hard as an artist when you've worked your whole life to become very skilled at a craft in a way. It's hard yeah. to like leap from that. So, yeah, I found it interesting. Um, with your work now, you don't go to the store and get your materials. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know everyone during COVID was like, how are we going to get our art materials? And I was like, that's the one thing I don't have to worry about. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but I mean, I, but now I access painting in a different way and I, I really enjoy it and it informs my other work. So it just like it's almost like I had to come back to painting in a in a new way. Yeah, it's interesting how you you naturally de deconstructed it and putting it back together. <laughs> you know, it's not just in your mind that this is happening in your in your your spirit. You know, it's like yeah, it was so weird. I don't. That was literally. I just had almost like a breakdown. I was like, I me I was so extreme with it too. Like I made myself stay in my studio and like for like two weeks straight over winter break. And I just was like, I'm getting through this and I'm going to figure this out. And I was like forcing myself to paint and then get like, it was just like this crazy experience that I didn't think I'd come through it. I actually thought I might, might, it might be at my end of being an artist. Cause I was like at a loss. Yeah. And then I, I just kept making things and then listening to myself. And then I moved through it and then into this new work that felt so much more aligned with myself and 
like my life philosophy, like how I do other things. So um, being an artist is difficult. It's like you're using your your whole self to create materialize some materialize something and it can be energetically draining and you're just like really vulnerable what do you spend the most time doing would you say looking making or thinking thinking of that question i would say making um i do i do think a lot but it's I'm always observing and I notice that in my work when I'm creating it's from observation of other things that I've like collected. So I'm always observing like how things connect or how like material feels or how light goes through it. Um, and then it like culminates into a piece and um, kind of trickles in into my work. So I'm, I feel like looking and then looking at my work a lot. Like I, I spend more time looking at a piece that I've made than making it for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's Definitely. like, I'll even be like, I'm going to go work in my studio and then just stare at it for the whole night and then not do anything, anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but it is part of it. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Looking is important. And I don't know. I feel like, you almost have to, there's many different things it can tell you. Like which, yeah, right. Like which one of those things is, is it all of them or is it just one that is prevalent more so than say another? Right. I don't know. I, I get confused sometimes by what my work tells me. I know. It's so weird. It does. Yeah. It talks to you for yeah. sure. <laughs> so weird. And you have to listen to it. You can't, that's the one thing I've learned, like through looking at it and being with it. It takes sometimes it's like, no, I want to do this. You know what I mean? You're like, damn it. I have this whole other vision for you. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you've worked on pieces for you've had pieces in the works for years, haven't you? Yeah, I'm pretty extreme like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Years. Sometimes I just like, no, I can't do anything with it. And I'm like, OK, you're just going to sit over here and maybe you'll never be done or you know or else it'll spark another uh, like addition to it that'll then be completed yeah it's challenging i mean like especially when you have a deadline in an exhibition or something because it feels so forced um so i i really try hard to not force finish something for a show which is hard yeah. But, yeah. There's um, this. I'm gonna try to get through this one. It's a multi-party question. Okay. <laughs> but I think it. I think it fits. It follows that nicely. And okay. so, I can imagine the way your pieces are made, and I can't help but feel the natural natural passage of time and the absence of an artist's hand in the majority of each piece, in, but in a good way. And I'm wondering how do you manage to step back in order for that to happen. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of one of those things that just like naturally happens that um, it's almost like the pace of how I naturally do things in my life. And so when you kind of understand that rhythm of when you're creating or in deep contemplation or 
you know, like meditating or walking or hiking or doing things that are like your natural pace. That's how I feel about my work. It's it to force it through a process to have a finished piece is not why it exists. So I have to I literally listen to the work and just stop completely if I need to or I will work on something at the pace that it needs to kind of like evolve. Um, it reminds me of nature and how, how like plants grow and, um, and evolve, but, and how I kind of like watch it form and then maybe take some parts of it back. And like, it's like cultivating or something. Um, and it's the same way. Like I grow the kombucha culture, um, and it's just, it's like cultivating the pieces. Um, and then I also, I like spending time with it so that it kind of like ruminates and becomes almost like a living thing that's like living with me. So I'm like, hey, like I check up on it and like look at it <laughs> in the morning or at night with different light. And then I try to like, this sounds weird, but I try to like feel what it feels like to be with it. And that's kind of how I respond to making. Like, if it feels complete, then it has, like, this full essence to it that I know is okay to, like, to move on and live on without any more, like, tinkering. Yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> no, I like it. That's great. <laughs> now, what do you think, uh, while working, what do you think is affected more, you or the piece? That's so fun. That's like a give good questions. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I think about that a lot, actually. Like, um, I I would say, well, I would hope both. Um, I know it affects me a lot, and I make work a lot for for my own for myself and to like to feel calm and connected and actively participating in processing life and uh so it does it works 100 percent works on me i would hope that i'm building something that's coming into existence that has that that is like has meaning and that other people can also have that experience in some way with it yeah. um a lot of the work that i make can do a lot of work for me and then just fall apart as a piece, and then I just break it apart or something. It just never forms into a finished piece. So there's that too. But it's all part of the practice, I guess. Right, it's not always like success. No, 100% not at all. (laughs) I might be jumping back to the beginning a little bit, but I was curious with um, the start of your process, and how do you begin and what is your inspiration in the beginning of, say, like a particular piece or? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to speak to a, a particular piece or like in general, you think would be helpful? I was, I, I was just going general, but if if you're more led to a specific piece, that's fine, too. I was just curious about. Um, yeah. The beginning. Yeah. Like, and it, the minute I typed this out, I thought, well, at this point, I wonder if the beginning's even uh, uh a recognizable memory or whatever, you know, because like, with the, with the the lineage of or the non-linear linear of 
a body of work, you know? Yeah, I know. And that's a good point. And I, one piece definitely feeds another, and then another piece can create an image or something in my mind that I want to accompany uh, this other piece. So it is like cyclical. Um, but in general, like with something new that comes into my mind, it's, it's usually me. Like I like to write a lot and just sit and kind of like, I guess like let my think and write. And I write, I do write a lot of poetry and then I just let things kind of ruminate. And then um, I usually will have like an, an, something come into my head, mind that's like a real strong visual. Yeah. And I just will see at least like the seed of a piece um, in my mind. And then uh, then take it from there. And it usually evolves. Never, never looks like the image I had in my head. And that, I guess that's what I've learned as I've gotten older. Sometimes I would used to think that was like a failure, yeah. in a way. But I'm like, but I have learned now that it's that's just like the seed of getting going. And then, like I was saying earlier, it's being with the work, listening to it, and it's. I believe in like collective consciousness that also is creating the work. So when you put something into the world, it has this like momentum and energy, and you're just kind of like the vessel for all of it to kind of move into the piece. So that's why I think it shifts and change and evolves. But yeah, it's usually like a strong visual, but also I think about material and how it feels to the like touch and sight. And, um, and I link that into language a lot in terms and use a lot of like polarities with language and also like texture and, how material might feel or be visually seen. Yeah. Do you think uh, like, uh, like material wise, like say metal with kombucha or mm. like th those kinds of uh, differences? Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah. So like with, in most of my work, I, I have a contrasting material as, or as far as, as I see it. Um, so yeah, like the metal being like hard and, metal and it's like a a surface that doesn't penetrate light doesn't penetrate through it um so it's like hard and then the kombucha is um soft and stretches and is like a living material so just kind of like bringing those those pieces together um and then i also use a lot of wax and wood and interfacing and different textiles yeah, I like the combination of the the wax and the kombucha. It's I know like, that was crazy. Yeah, I mean the, the way that light interacts with it, you know, and it's yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Um, I just I like that using those materials together because they both let a lot of light move through the material, but the kombucha is um, it is much more flexible and like where the wax obviously is like a really hard yeah. surface. So it's just like, I like to use um, them together and, and also like the different colors within them. But yeah, it's funny. It seems like you've, you've found a palette, you know, 
Yeah, I know. I'm a little obsessed with my palette. And, but I, you know, <laughs> maybe the, the painter in you is, you know, the diehard. <laughs> I am a super color person. Like, I love color and subtle color shifts. Um, yeah. This new piece I'm working on is, I think it's, like, totally crazy, but it's literally, it's like a muted green. And I think it's, like, insane that I'm using a different color. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I can make sense of this because I was trying to think about the similarities and maybe obvious differences between painting and sculpture, but yeah, um, you definitely play with light, play on like a, a play on light, and you know I can't help but think of like glazing and as a pe painting technique. Yeah, and like that is really true. Yeah, and because it. I mean, that's, I guess, in essence, what you're doing is creating translucent layers with when you yeah. use that technique in painting. And, mm -hmm. but that's like an illusion to me, you know, like that's like a specific, like you can learn that, you know, and I feel like mm -hmm. what, what some of what you're doing is like you, you have to find it rather than like it's, it's not an illusion, it's physically happening. Like that's really, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, no, totally. And that's like literally what you just said is the process I went through in my brain when I went into sculpture because I yeah. was painting when I painted I would make layers on layers and layers and create a form and <clears throat> and I kept think, thinking to myself I'm I'm making some I don't I can't even put words up but I, I was like making something false and I wanted to just, like I said, break it apart and have the actual layers. Like I wanted to like unveil what I was creating and painting so that it was real. Yeah, yeah. That's and cool. that and it was um it felt so good when I it was like I wasn't it wasn't wasting time in a way. It felt like painting, I wasted a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the, the painters are going to hate this episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love painting. I could talk about painting forever. I I love it. I um it's just that I hit like a wall. I I just got it's like a bad relationship or something. I like a relationship that just like is overdone and you're like fighting with it. Like that was just like me and painting and I was like, "What am I doing? This is crazy." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is like, I was wondering if you can use three to five words to describe your work. Definitely fragile. Yeah. Most of my pieces are fragile. Um, I'm so bad at like being succinct, seriously. Um, <laughs> There's no wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, I would say fragile, playful, um, and um, organic. Yeah. Or my three. I I put together some words if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I was. I'm sure yours are way better. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have uh, quiet. Yeah. Time. Yep. Being. And I I broke my rules. I I put together more than five, but uh, transformation. Like cool. Witnessed. Oh, I like that word for that. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah. Observed. 
and Dreamcatchers. Oh, that's awesome. You have to send me that list. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. That all that really makes sense. Yeah, I just feel like that I can see them just like moving slowly, uh, you know, like just swaying a little bit. Like especially they the do. ones that are Yeah, they definitely do. It's weird. Like that's why I was saying being with them is part of the work. It's like they all move and I'm always like I it's so hard to capture that to like share on your website or on social media. Yeah. You know <laughs> it's like it, they feel like they need to be with in person, but but yeah, they yeah, moved slightly. Oh, sorry about that. Oh no. Good. I think um the I think the light is probably the only maybe the only side of it that you can capture in a photograph you know like in a, a, a digital image yeah and that yeah, really does help it in some way i mean of course you can't have the other aspects but mm -hmm. um, yeah and that light is you know it light is always changing if you're not in the in the interior space of that windows but like just it's almost like watching a flower or a tree in yeah. the daylight you know what i mean it's like that uh so which deceased artist would you have liked to have spoken with and what would you ask them and what perhaps would you hope they would ask you if they knew who you were and your work does that make sense yeah that does make sense um hmm i would say eva hess yeah because i she's so uh, what was so inspiring to me and is still and um and when I found her work and started reading about her work and how she got to her pieces just seemed like her language and what she was trying to access was like what I was trying to access almost like this sort of like portal of being and being very vulnerable and like um alive and real and I just hadn't seen that in any other artist in my whole life so she her work has always just struck me I would probably ask her this might not make any sense because she was alive during the time she was alive but I guess what I would ask her is you know I would want to hear from her and and like have a dialogue about what her process and what she was thinking about in her pieces and how that made her feel. But I would also ask her, okay, so um, do you have any advice for me living in 2020, having these same thoughts and like similar modes of making? And how do I live now and be present with the times we're living in and still make work in that light, but um, in at, in this day and age and not, because like what I'm making, could I could have been making it in 1960. You know what I mean? So yeah. just curious, like I, I always am curious, like what if, what if she was alive right now? What, what would she be making? How do you feel about the term alchemy? I've been thinking about that for a while. Or yeah. like this week for some reason. Um, I like the term. 
I like any words that are about transformation, pretty much. But alchemy, I do think it it had it has a a feeling of like culmination and transformation and being present with, with like a life and activity. So I, I like it. I do think that uh, I'm also like in the business entrepreneurial world. I do see people use it way too much for like their business names that it kind of bothers me. Oh yeah, alchemy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. But it's I like I feel that way because I think it's a really beautiful word. Yeah, the history and how like it's really like you can kind of interpret it in a lot of ways. And so I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny you mentioned the entrepreneurial side of things, and yeah. um, I wonder if you'd like to say a little bit about that side of what you're doing. I mean, for those that don't know. Yeah, about. Um, co-creative like, and... yeah 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 totally yeah. um do you want me just to talk about it yeah like what yeah. what is it and do you <laughs> yes have... any like thoughts about being an artist within that within community and as yeah an i guess the importance of community and like maybe why you started it the co-creative yeah. center yeah so um alongside having an art practice i like a lot of us realize, like I'm sure you, that's why you're doing the podcast too. I'm sure to connect with that, with other artists. Yeah. Um, and I just I was making work kind of like in the silo, and I after school, after grad school, and just felt I really felt that my work wasn't had no meaning almost like without artists to talk to about the work and like grow together and evolve so I joined a crit group in Boston and it totally just changed my spirits about everything and it just reminded me how much community meant to an artist and being a participant in your own um, town or city so I started a few other groups in another business but right now I I, a few years ago, I started a space called the Co-Creative Center, and it's a shared workspace for artists and creatives. Um, and that's essentially what it is. It's just like it's a creative hub for people to come to to make work. We have some studios. We have a classroom and a gallery. So it's a, a small little ecosystem for artists to kind of make make work, sell work, and teach what they're, what they're doing. Um, and I do think, I just think it's really important to have these spaces um, to engage with one, with one another and to evolve together, um, you know, because having dialogue around your work is super important to yeah. being mentally healthy, knowing what's going on in the world around you and be participating even in conversation about someone else's work. So this is... I, I can't stress to other, a lot of younger artists, you know, that graduate, that's the, I think that's the most important thing. Yes, having it some sort source of income, but you really have to have an art community. And it could just be two people. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. It just, 
you you really do just you have to have certain artists in your life to discuss the things that that are deep and meaningful to you in your work mm. otherwise it just feels like a like a one direction conversation um yeah, in, yeah. i mean personally i feel like you can almost i mean you can benefit from it because it like help you understand your art even more it's that, it's if you verbalize it to somebody else because you don't i yeah. mean yeah i guess like what you're saying it's like it it becomes that non one way mm -hmm. so you know it can get blocked right you know? and i yeah exactly and i really believe that like our work is i mean maybe sometimes we make pieces that we want to hold on to and no one else see but yeah. like our work is meant to be shared and yeah. like your paintings I love seeing because they inform me of like you know like this visual language that you're creating that's present and happening right now you know what I mean so yeah. it sounds it's so non-tangible but it's like the more we can share our creations and like how we're processing that visually, it taps me into my presence. And like when I have been watching your paintings come out on Instagram through COVID, I'm, and along with a, a lot of other artists, it's like, oh wow, like it, it allows me to connect and process more of this experience I'm going through through COVID, like by looking at paintings that other artists that I admire are creating right now. You know what I mean? So that's why we do have to share our work and talk about it. Yeah, it's important, and I'm kind of glad we have the technology. I know. We have right now. Yeah, I know. We're really lucky for that, or else we really would be having one-way conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing so much. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. And to close, Dina reads a quote by Joseph Campbell. Um, okay, this, this is Joseph Campbell. People say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that we're seeking what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Big thanks to Dina Hayden for being on the show. And if you're in the Philadelphia area, coming up this September at Esther Klein Gallery at University City Science Center, that's 3600 Market Street, Philadelphia, PA. The opening is on September 17th, and the show runs through November. As we get closer, check out sciencecenter.org or kleinartgallery.org for more info. Thanks, Dina, and congratulations. Check out her show. This has been Artcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean?
I'm getting nowhere with this, forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. For audio, Otcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Social, Otcast is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And let's not forget about Instagram. <laughs>